crucifixion was a bad thing. There's no doubt in anybody's mind, if you were to watch crucifixion, you would probably weep along with everyone else. Bad things happen literally all around us. It doesn't take long for us to recognize that tragedy is here. It's not going to go away until Jesus Christ comes back. There's also bad timing. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to many of you and you've shared why did this bad thing happen and why did it happen at this time. I'm going to give you quickly for a few minutes five lessons. Five lessons based on John chapter 20. It was a bad thing that Mary and Peter and John experienced 2,000 years ago, crucifixion. So here's lesson number one. Lesson number one, never forget, for all bad things and all bad timing, run to the maker. Run to the manager of all things. You got to back up every day and understand the maker is still the maker. The manager is still the manager. God manages all things, including the timing of all bad things. Hit that next slide. Listen, no one manages God. Back up every day. Nothing surprises God. All bad is under God's honor and power. If you have not memorized Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, I would encourage you to memorize this verse. It says very clearly, Worthy are you, God, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they, all things, existed and were created. May I remind you that God did not create evil. When evil has its impact or bad starts to surface, God created a free will. And from man, woman, free will, there is an impact when we choose to go against God. All bad, all evil is under God's power. Now, watch John chapter 20, verse 1. Watch how it plays out for Mary, who's running to Jesus, for Peter, for John. It's going to be the same for you, same for me. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day, I would encourage you, circle the word first day, of the week, Mary, circle Mary, Mary Magdalene, came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So make sure you understand, Sunday morning, it's before sunrise. It's the first day of the week. Remember, three days earlier, Jesus is crucified on Friday by man's free will. But God is still managing it, and God has a perfect plan. Friday afternoon, before sundown, Jesus is taken off the cross. So you've got to look at this very carefully here. See that word Mary there. How many Marys are there in the Bible? Or at least in the New Testament. Remember there's the mother of Jesus named Mary. There's the sister of Lazarus and Martha named Mary. There's Mary of Cleophas, the mother of James, right? There's Mary, the mother of John Mark, the sister of Barnabas, and Mary, a Roman Christian, who is greeted by Paul in Romans 16.6. The Mary here is from Galilee. Make sure you put it in context. Mary 
from the village of Magdala. You see that there in her last name, right near the Sea of Galilee. But now she's in Jerusalem. She gets up on a Sunday morning. Her heart is confused and broken, and she's bringing burial spices before sunrise on that Sunday morning, the first day of the week, because that's what Jewish people did. She arrives to finish the burial of Jesus. Jesus is dead. Before sunrise, Mary's up. It's dark outside. Her heart is pounding, and now it's about to explode with confusion and more fear and more disappointment because Mary saw the crucifixion with her own eyes three days earlier. John 19, 25. She saw Jesus nailed, beaten, crucified, and now it's three days later. You have to stop and consider who is God to Mary? Who made Sunday to Mary? Who made Sunday? Mary, who made Sunday? Who made Saturday? Who made Friday? The first day of the week is Sunday for Jewish people. Mary's got to back up and understand who made the Sabbath. People, every day, we've got to back up every day. Who made today, seven days of the week? Who made the 24 hours that you get to enjoy? It is God, Jesus, the maker. Who makes and allows all things to work together for good? Romans 8, 28. Who manages the timing of all things? Not you, not me. Who made Mary? It is God, Jesus, the maker, the manager. One person said this, moving the hands of a clock to suit you does not change the time. Moving the hands of a clock to suit you does not change the time. Thanks, Kim, for sending me that quote. Friends, God has perfect plans for everything, perfect timing for everything. The maker is at work in the bad that you face. God's doing something good, and Mary completely has lost this now. She's running to Jesus, but she thinks the Jesus that she's running to is dead. We need to say, Mary, Mary, run to God. He's not dead. You see, lesson number two today. Mary thinks Jesus is dead. And I submit to you, I submit to my soul, that oftentimes I have these doubts that Jesus is alive. You see, Mary does not fully believe God Jesus is the maker, the manager. She's lost that. Mary forgot Genesis 1-1 and John 1-1, just like we forget it when bad things happen to us. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God created. That he spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. That same God in Genesis 1-1 is Jesus in John 1-1. In the beginning was the word, logos, the spoken word that created it all, that makes it all, that manages it all. And the word was with God and the word was God. Mary can't connect the dots in her crises, in her grief, in her pain. But God, with all the power that he has, is going to make all bad submit to him. All things, including bad timing of all things, but Mary can't see it. All of God's plans are excellent. We just don't like what's going on, the drama right now. You see, in this crucifixion, God has an excellent plan, but Mary can't see it. 
The tomb is empty. Where is Jesus? Look with me at verse 2, John 22. The tomb's empty, so what does Mary do? She ran. And she came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved, that would be John, and said to Simon Peter and John, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. You see, Mary thinks the dead body of Jesus is stolen or hidden or improperly buried. Who knows what's going on? Write this down. Lesson number three. Never forget, please. When you're confused, when grief starts to overcome you, you must understand you've got to find the truth. You've got to rebuke. You've got to deny the lies that are starting to circulate in your mind, your spirit, your soul, and you've got to ask for help. You've got to run to Jesus Running to Jesus when you're starting to feel confused and panic and stressed out may mean that you got to go find a therapist. May mean that you got to go find a pastor. May mean you have to go find a friend. But you've got to run to Jesus. I find it interesting. Mary came first to the grave. Peter wasn't first. John wasn't first. Mary gave her very best to care for Jesus. But Jesus is gone. But Mary runs for help. She runs to Peter and John. Listen to me carefully. The most confused you will ever be in your life is when your heart and your spirit and your mind believes a lie. Mary is believing a lie right now. And all of us who experience the tragedies of humanity, we all get under a pile of lies. I found this interesting quote. Listen to this. The common man prays, I want a cookie right now. And God responds, if you listen to what I say, tomorrow it will bring you 100 cookies. We have to back up and understand, never lose hope, people. Run to Jesus. Storms make people stronger, one person said, and they never last forever. John 20, verse 3 says this, Peter therefore went forth. Now Peter's running to the tomb. He's going to find Jesus and the other disciple. That would be John. And they're headed to the tomb. They're confused. They can't connect the dots. The dead miracle worker, Jesus, he's gone. Where is he? Verse 4. And the two, that would be Peter and John, they're running together, probably the first two-man race we've ever seen, and they're the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb. And that other disciple is John. John wins, verse 5. And John, stooping outside, looks in. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, but John did not go in, verse 6. Simon Peter, remember, he's the leader. He's the bold one. He came following John, and he goes in first to the tomb. And Peter saw, beheld, it's like I'm shocked. The linen wrappings lying there, verse 7. And the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but watch this, rolled up in a place by itself. God working the details. The face wrap carefully rolled up, verse 8. So the other disciple, John, who had first come to the tomb, entered the tomb now. And he saw ah, and believed. But may I ask you, 
What did John believe? Think about it. The body of Jesus was truly gone. Maybe that's what he believed. The body's gone. Yes, but maybe John is just like you and me. We learn slowly. Maybe thing, the dots are starting to connect with John and Peter and Mary. You see, I think over a lifetime, we learn kind of bit by bit. 1%, 2%, 3%, 5%, 10%, and over a lifetime, we learn a little bit more. We're believing more and more and more, ladies and gentlemen. This is why we invite you to go to Israel for 10 days and study the Bible in technicolor to help you believe inch by inch, to remove more doubts, more doubts, to believe more. John 20, verse 9, watch this. For as yet they did not understand the scripture. It's amazing. These are people that saw the miracles of Jesus that heard his teachings and they still didn't understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. It's a powerful verse right there. Friends, there's oftentimes I don't understand it. But inch by inch, I believe, I search, I try to understand more, I yield. I, uh, I want my grandson, Silas, I want my grandson Silas to understand this passage. I want my grandson Silas to understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And three weeks ago, my grandson and I and others from this church, we actually stood in Nazareth in a rebuilt synagogue maybe one like what Jesus might have stood in. And I stood there with my grandson Silas. Friends, listen, in Israel, my grandson and I are standing in Israel trying to help him and help myself understand and believe a little bit more. Friends, you don't know what it does to me to see Silas standing in Israel, to see my daughter Sharon standing in Israel, uh, to, to step back and say, look, look, my family's with me. It's amazing, isn't it? In Israel. And we're believing and we have doubts and we have struggles just like everybody else. But we're moving closer to God. To see my family together in Israel running to Jesus trying to connect the dots, just like Mary, just like Peter, just like John. Friends, listen to me. Soon Silas will be a man. He's gonna be on his own. He's gonna do something with his life. But for now, we have a chance to say, Silas, I'm proud of you. Silas, I want the world to know I'm proud of you. And I want you to follow Jesus Christ wherever you go. We have uh, two more grandkids that need to go to Israel, Jackson and Addie. So we have two more to go. Many of you have gone to Israel. Many of you have studied the Bible. I just encourage you, don't give up the journey of believing. May I remind you, watch this. Lesson number four. In doubt and confusion, when you're doubting and you're confused about anything in life, you must turn to the resurrection truth. You must go back and, fig and look at it again, study it again. 
Look at John 20, verse 10. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. You see, friends, these disciples had Jesus for the last three years, and Jesus told them that he would die and be resurrected. He's crucified on Friday. He's lowered literally into the grave on Friday night sometime. Sabbath has occurred. It's 24 hours long. Joseph and Nicodemus took him down off the cross. The Sabbath is now over. It's early sunrise, Sunday morning. Mary comes to prepare the body of Jesus. Mary is about to learn that Jesus willingly submits to God. And that's our problem. That's my problem. When your life meets tragedy, you've got to submit to God. In tragedy, you've got to recognize God's there to give you grace. Lesson number five, don't give up on Jesus, please. Keep searching. Don't give up on Jesus. Keep searching for Jesus. Look at verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. That's what you would be doing. That's what I would be doing probably. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And an amazing miracle reward occurred. Verse 12. And she beheld two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. May I just challenge you, good things come to those people who run to Jesus even when you don't understand the bad that happens. Look at verse 13. And the angel said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid laid him. She still thinks Jesus is dead. She cannot grasp that Jesus is God. And there are times I can't grasp that Jesus is God. There are times I doubt. Verse 14. And when she had said this, she turned around and beheld Jesus standing there, but she's blind. She did not know it was Jesus. She is blinded by grief, by doubt, by fear, She can't even see Jesus standing next to her. Verse 15. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, even hearing his voice, she still doesn't connect the dots. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Wow. Peter and John did not see Jesus at this moment, but Mary did. Ben Joseph, one of our missionaries in our church, been a part of our missions family and an outstanding missionary for years. Ben Joseph says this, the invisible enemy creates panic and fear. I've been asked by people, Ben says, what is the purpose of a crisis like this? i.e. coronavirus. And Ben says, it is clear from scriptures that God allows things beyond our control to happen to teach us that God is in control. It is easy to forget God and trust in ourselves when things are going our way, but times like now reminds us that our power, our strength, and our resources are not enough and that we need God desperately. 
Ben says, these verses have been on my heart, and I quote, this is what the Lord says, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Ben goes on to say this. In his kindness, God the Father sent his son, the Lord Jesus, and he became justice on the cross of Calvary. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin, so that by believing in him, we can receive the righteousness of God the only one thing that is secure on this earth is our relationship with God through Christ since he died and rose again to offer us eternal life. May each one of us, Ben says, put our trust and hope not on us, but him. Look at John 20, verse 16. Jesus said to Mary, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Hebrew, Rabboni, now she gets it. Now she gets it. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to the brethren and say to them, I have ascended to my Father. Now watch this. And your Father, my God, watch this, and your God, Mary's had a ton of doubts, but God is still her God. God is still her father. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. All right, let's pause. So let me give you a couple of takeaways, may I? I share this first takeaway with you last Sunday after online worship, I got a email. And here's what it said. I have adjusted the email a little bit to protect everybody. And with permission, I get to share this with you. This person, this woman says this, I just have to testify of what God is doing in my life during this COVID-19 crisis. To do that, I have to tell you a little bit about my past. 95% of my young adult life, 95% of my young adult life was a conversation between myself and God, me trying my best to prove to God that I could do life on my own, and then there's God lovingly trying to show me time and time again that I could not do life well without God. 100% of the trials and difficulties I faced during my young adult life were the direct results of my own stubbornness and pride until I found myself as a single mother of two children, the victim of domestic abuse. In the ER, at the bottom of the deep pit I dug for myself, I gave in and turned my whole life over to Jesus and nothing has been the same since then. 
Ten days later, I met my future husband, and the adventure began. Several more children later, God called me to go back to graduate school for my master's degree, then opening our own business. And through it all, God has blessed more and more. God has gone before me preparing the way. Don't get me wrong, graduate school was hard and I worked at it, but it seemed to come easier than I expected. I was also blessed to have a husband who worked and I didn't have to work to make ends meet like most of my classmates. I actually found myself apologizing for having an easier life than my friends. Fast forward to present day. Just this last week, I studied Purim. Purim. I felt compelled to reread Esther's story, and as I did, I was struck by the similarities between my life and Esther's life. Just like Esther, I now live a life of ease, not because of my own hard work, but because of who I married. Like Esther, God carefully arranged my marriage, bringing us together for his glory. In Esther 4.14, Mordecai is counseling Esther and says to her, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Standing in the middle of preparations for the wave of illness that is coming toward us, hearing God speak those words into my heart, I feel peace that I could never explain wash over me. I know why I am here. And I know God wants what God wants me to do, and that gives me joy. Corey Tinboom, some of you recognize the name. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. One more takeaway. If your storm has not passed, chances are there are some lessons that you have not learned. I close with this again. Look at with me at John 20, verse 15. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. That would be Jesus. And I will take him away. Verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me for I have not yet ascended to heaven, but go to my brethren and say to them, I have ascended to my father and your father, my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. His name is Pastor Don Hampton. Shreveport, Louisiana. He's a victim of COVID-19. Pastor Don says this, I believe that all is well and that it is well with my soul. Last Sunday, he preached his last sermon live streamed from his isolated hospital bed. Sick because of COVID-19. And I quote him, I keep a praise handy in my heart. I keep a word and I just continue to try to do the Lord's will 
even from a hospital bed. End of quote. Three days later, this past Wednesday, he died and woke up facing Jesus. I don't know where you're at with your doubts and your struggles, but we all have them. Mary did, Peter, John, everybody's got them. Run to Jesus. Run to him. Take your doubts, take your grief. He's your God. He's your Father. Bow your heads with me, please. God, I say thank you for what you give to us. Teach us inch by inch to believe, to recognize that the foundation of our security is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. God, we say thanks for this Easter 2020. Thank you for Mary. I wonder if you like to talk with her. Peter, John, God, give us that ability as we think about people that have died that there will be this amazing reunion in heaven, all because of the resurrection of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 